Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we are back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. Well, we have an incredible lecture episode this week. We have not tapped into any lectures recently other than the Joseph Campbell series that we did, which was so cool. It was over the course of like 18 weeks or something. One episode here, one episode here. It was awesome, but we had so many guests. And the Beyond the News episodes were there as well. So it's been a minute since we've delved into another lecturer's lecturing. (laughs) So today we're going to visit my favorite lecturer. We're going to listen to one of the greatest, if not the greatest, lecturers of all time. This person has made the most appearances on the Midnight on Earth podcast, and that is Manly P. Hall. Manly Palmer Hall, the great one. We're going to do a Manly Hall lecture this week. And as usual, with our lecture episodes, we have a guest co-host, and really, there's only one guest co-host that I've had and I've just kind of stuck with the best. And she's here, Bryn Anderson of Vinyl Force Herbs. Hello, Bryn. Hey there. How's it going? It's going fantastic. Thank you for being here again in the studio to do this work, to listen to this lecture. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Always happy to be here. Well, uh, you know, you've been with me for the Beyond the News episodes and the Joseph Campbell series that we did recently, but we haven't really done any other lectures in a really long time. And Manly P. Hall's lectures are so special. They're always so dense and they're always so amazing. This is going to be really cool because this one, guess what this one's about, Brent? Let's see something about how it's all so much more than it seems. Uh, As usual, yes, I have a feeling he'll include that. But no, this time we are talking about magnetic fields of the human body. Ooh, I would love to hear what he has to say about that, especially coming from his time period. Well, actually, the roots are in his early era, but this is one of his later lectures from 1989. Oh, okay. It's going to be really cool. Um, You know, the culmination of his life. But before we do that, I have to tell you about this. Everyone, we have a Patreon. Now we have a place where if you are a fan of this show, if you love the work that I am doing, if you love what the guests are contributing, if you love having Bryn Anderson as a guest co-host, then there's a place to support us directly now. So this is patreon.com slash 
midnight on earth. And that is where you can go and check out the intro video that I made. You can look at the different tiers of supports and pick a tier that suits you. Look at them, see which one fits the best and pick that one and support the podcast directly because your direct support is what gets the energy and this information out there to more people. That is the goal. That is the service. The service is activation. And we have to create these conduits of activation like this podcast. I did that. I created this conduit of activation, but I need support. I need your support. I need your direct support to expand this podcast, to help it grow and to make it even more amazing than it already is. So go there, check it out, pick a tier that you love. And I deeply appreciate your support. And when you're done with that, checking out our Patreon, follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. Follow us there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts, click that button that connects us so you know exactly what's going on. And as always, I always say this, tell a friend, tell someone that you know that loves these type of podcasts, you know them well, bring them here, midnight on earth.com. All right. Well, we got the Patreon shout out out of the way. Of course, the Instagram shout outs. And now we're going to read the bio of Manly P. Hall in case you didn't know who he is. So here we go. Here is his bio. Manly P. Hall, born 1901, graduated 1990, founded the Philosophical Research Society in 1934, a nonprofit organization dedicated to the dissemination of useful knowledge in the fields of philosophy, comparative religion, and psychology. In his long career spanning more than 70 years of dynamic public activity, Mr. Hall delivered over 8,000 lectures in the United States and abroad, authored over 150 books and essays, and wrote countless magazine articles. Many of Mr. Hall's lectures have been transcribed and are available as pamphlets, Others were taped live and the audio recordings are available on CDs as well. We're going to be listening to one of those recordings. He is perhaps best known for his 1928 classic, The Secret Teachings of All Ages, an encyclopedia of the world's wisdom traditions and symbolic disciplines. Today, younger generations are rediscovering the works and words of Manley Hall, finding that the material he put forth so many years ago is still relevant and useful today. Mr. Hall's hope for humanity was to learn from the greatest minds of all times 
so that we may solve current problems both in society and in the individual today. Wow. Okay. So yes, that does touch on his greatness. So 8,000 lectures, 150 books, spiritual conduit, like information conduit. He had some strange role to be that human. And he had a benefactor his whole life. Early on, he met someone that agreed to finance his life, to give him a monthly payment. And she did for a very long time. I'm not sure when it ended, but I know his life ended in 1990. And this recording that we're going to listen to is from 1989. So this is going to be right before he graduated, which unfortunately for those that don't know, he was actually murdered. And that's a whole podcast episode that we could do. We're not going to talk about that right now, but that actually did happen. It's the strangest end to such a incredibly powerful life. So we'll talk about that more another time, but he's here with us. Manly P. Hall, the spirit of Manly is going to be here with us as we listen to his words, his voice, his lecture. Thankfully, because of the miracle of recording, which I say a lot. I love recording. It has done so much for humanity and preserved so much knowledge. And as usual with these lecture episodes, what we do is we talk a little bit before. That's what we're doing right now. And then Bryn and I are listening to the lecture. We're taking notes. And then after the lecture is over, we come back and we talk about all of the things that we learned and the notes that we took and the reflections that we have. So, so stick around till the end, come back and reconnect with us. And let's talk about this. Bryn and I and Manly P Hall and you are going to spend this time together. Bryn, what do you think? Magnetic fields of the human body. Pretty cool, huh? Yes, like I said, I'm excited to hear about it. It's going to be good because it's one of his later lectures. So not only is the quality of the recording significantly better than early recordings that he has, but again, like I said earlier, there's more of that accumulated wisdom to draw from. Right. It's his lifetime of knowledge and you know everything he's learned from all the different uh, schools of thought and um, his own experiences. And I think by 1989, that information was probably a little bit more widely received than in his earlier years. So it'll be interesting just to kind of hear. I always like to hear how the audience is responding to the <laughs> things he's saying. So Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't there. But here we go, people. This is from April 23rd, 1989 from Los Angeles. And this is Manly P. Hall, Magnetic Fields of the Human Body. We have a very interesting subject this morning. And of course, it'll probably be interesting and unsolved when we finish. Because it deals with one of the most curious and neglected areas of human research. And that is the magnetic fields, not only of man, but of the universe and of the smallest atom. The beginning of the study 
of magnetism can be traced back to Egypt. And uh, the staffs and wands of the ancient priests were instruments of magnetic conjury. Also, we find the Greeks used it. And the, among the Greeks and early Egyptians, we have the first understanding of the nature of magnetism. It was used principally in healing. It was well known to Pythagoras, who gave us considerable information on the subject, which was promptly forgotten by everybody else. Then we have little knowledge of it, except through the Arabs. The Chinese were aware of it because of the discovery of the Marinus compass. But for the most part, it was neglected until the uh, 17th century, when it became involved in the story of Rosicrucianism. The alchemists, the Rosicrucians, and the Hermetists all were un unfolding phases of magnetic theory. Uh, the, uh, the first, probably in more modern times, to use it for healing purposes was Paracelsus of Hohenheim. It was also used strongly by the Rosicrucians and written about in considerable detail by Robert Flood, who was one of the great Rosicrucian apologists. It was also very well known to Athanasius Kircher, the great Jesuit scholar, but for the most part it was ignored. Then we come down a little later and we come upon a curious instrument, Mesmer's magnetic tub. This was a kind of tank in which many people put their feet at the same time and held hands and created a battery out of the water in the tank. It was studied carefully by Cagliostro. It is also known that it interested St. Germain to profoundly, but it annoyed Benjamin Franklin all to pieces. He was never able to like the idea at all. Uh, after the development of Mesmer, which were promptly denied by nearly every field of science. The matter dropped into comparative obscurity until more recent times, when within the last 20, 25 years, it has been revived strongly. And it's this revival we want to talk about a little this morning, because it is one of the most interesting phases of our study of life. It is interesting that we should use magnetism so continuously and yet never really understand what it is. Uh, the uh, old folks of the Greek and Egyptian period represented the human being as contained within a kind of bubble. This bubble was referred to also uh, by the uh, physician and uh, who did the human atmosphere studies, Dr. Kilner of the University of Liverpool. Incidentally, the magnetic theory is based upon a very simple fact, namely that what we call empty air is this no, is the not empty at all. It is the most profoundly used every all the elements that we know anything about. We all live within air and have our meaning being, and we know that if air fails, we die. But what we do not realize is that air is not just some oxygen or helium or something of this nature. Air is something in itself. It is a substance of itself. It is a substance so real and so important that it's almost impossible to estimate it. It is a tremendous field of magnetic energy. The atmosphere carries the magnetism of the sun. Ptolemy of Alexandria 
was one of the first to recognize the manifestations or emanations of solar, of solar light as containing an energy in addition to merely a luminous factor. The study of the magnetic powers of the sun will be more or less clearly understood by the study of the seasons. Winter, summer, spring, and these things have all to do with a magnetic factor in the air. And we think of it only as in trying to explain it as a physical astronomical phenomena, since as the rotation and revolutions of the sun and planets. But each of these planets is a field of magnetic energy. And this energy comes to us through what we call air. Now, what is air, actually? Well, we have scientific definitions of it, but there's something more to it than that. Air is something in itself. It is a substance. It is not only a condition of climate or of weather. It is a basic factor in the contributions which make up existence. One thing we have learned from television is that air transmits. We know, for instance, that we can have all kinds of programs on the air at the same time. And they can come from all directions. And they can overlap and interlap. But each one will remain separately identified as though it was moving in a channel or a circuit of its own. And all these scrambling f films, some of which are scrambled inside as well as outside, <laughs> uh, are working on one atmosphere and that atmosphere is keeping each one of them in a perfect orbit of its own. You can have a dozen programs, if you turn them on, turn them off, but no, none of those programs is going through the air in the form we see it. We see the murder committed on the screen, and we see it broadcast into a theater somewhere or into a home. But it isn't the murder that's going into the home. It, the uh, murder has not been visible when it went through the air. Something went through was vibration. And this vibration in, in the magnetic field can be divided into an infinite complexity of separate emanation. In other words, if we had a thousand different channels, they could be differentiated in the magnetic field so that each one would be broadcast correctly and properly for whatever it is. Thus, we realize there's something out there besides air something beside helium and oxygen, something beside the ordinary factors we take into consideration scientifically. We are in the presence of a mysterious agent, an agent that is part of everything that we are. Now, studying magnetism as it comes into the human body, we discover along with Kilda that each human body is surrounded by an etheric or energy field. This energy field is sometimes referred to as an aura, but it is not the true aura that we think of in metaphysics. This magnetic field is an area of energy. This area of energy forms a, an egg-like atmospheric sheath around the physical body, usually extending three to five feet from it in each direction. This energy field is the basis of virtue because this energy field depends for its reality, its serviceability, and its protecting power to mood, emotion, thought, and the attitudes of the person around which this magnetic field is gathered.
In other words, the individual, if they are normal, if mentally, emotionally, and physically, they're keeping the rules. This magnetic field forms a tremendous protection. It is normal, it is healthy, it is constantly able to handle infections and all kinds of difficulties. It will help to heal wounds. It will help to recover the use of functions and organs. And if we are deprived of some part of the body, it will try to compensate for us. As long as the individual takes proper care of his magnetic field, it will serve him. Now, this is a phase of morality that is generally overlooked. It is assumed that these magnetic fields uh, are something you don't pay much attention to. They're there, maybe they'll help a little. But the truth of the matter is that practically the whole survival of the individual depends upon maintaining the integrity of this flow of energy into the magnetic field. This energy comes from the sun. It comes through a mysterious energy tube in the magnetic field. It enters the individual through the crown of the head. It disseminates through the entire body and it's excreted back again through the lower centers of the body and is re-cleansed by the solar energy. This is a kind of a little private tank or capsule of life that we are all carrying about with us all the time. Now, the problem of morality in this is very definite. The moment we break rules, we damage that magnetic flow. We have got to keep the laws of nature and these, in turn, are the laws of God, or the magnetic field fails. It can fail because of physical intemperances, which reduce its integrity and reduce its power. It can be wasted in riotous living, which is a common cause these days. It can be variously destroyed by moods, by attitudes, by fears, by complexes, it can be destroyed or damaged by alcohol, drugs, narcotics, all kinds of things. But if this field is damaged, it immediately reacts into health. It, it damages the individual's vitality. It makes him more easily subject to contagions and infections. And it definitely shortens the life expectancy. Now, if this is the soul, why do we want to consider it as a, as a moral factor. In other words, what is morality? To the ancients, it was obedience to the, word, the words of God or the laws of God. In more, in more modern times, with more intelligent people, it is obedience with the evident will of deity as manifested in creation. Virtue lies in whatever builds up the magnetic fields. Vice is that which tears them down. No human interception can, inter can interfere with this in any way. Therefore, if we are good, it's not because the book says we should be. It's not because it was thundered by the laws on Sinai. It is because we keep the rules of the integration of the human structure. That we use the magnetic fields correctly and protect our health and our happiness and our well-being in that way. Now, we think of the magnetic field as surrounding the entire structure of the body, as Kilner shows in his work on the human atmosphere, and Babbitt also in his study of the atom. This, however, is only a phase of it. Each part of the body has a magnetic field. Each unit within the individual has its survival 
in a unit of energy. And this unit of energy is present in the smallest subdivision of imaginable space. It is in the tiniest atom. There is no such a thing as a dead particle in the universe. Even if it is killed by something, the very disintegrating process is a, is a symbol of life energy. Therefore, we are confronted with the natural problem of realizing that virtue is to keep the law of the energy field. Now, the law of the energy field, just by coincidence, is also the law of integrity. The energy field is what establishes right and wrong. The energy field tells us that to lose our disposition and temper fit is wrong. Uh, to use various negative, destructive attitudes is wrong. To compromise the principles of right living is wrong. To think badly, to feel unpleasantly, to be engaged in any action or concept which is contrary to the common good damages the magnetic field and therefore is wrong. Selfishness injures that field. Every vice we know, the breaking of any of the Ten Commandments and a number of other rules results in damage to that field. It has nothing to do with nation, it has nothing to do with the ordinary concepts of codes, because the final code itself is based upon the life principle in each part of the human constitution. So we have each little cell has its own moral responsibilities. The stomach has its own magnetic field. The stomach is not simply an organ. It is an organism. It is a living thing within the human body. The same is true of the heart, the brain, the glandular structure, all the organs, the intestines, all the motor system, the nervous system, the endocrine system. These are all entities. They are entities of magnetic unities. They are part of living organisms that are cooperating together for the common good. To abuse one is to damage all. To neglect one is to neglect all. Each of these organs has its own field in the body. And all these fields together constitute the, the, the grand magnetic field that surrounds the complete person. Now let we go inside of this for a moment to see what we're dealing with. So we go back to Pythagoras who was very uh, timely in that. He tells us that in Egypt there was a temple in which therapy was the result of this contemplation of symmetrical geometric solids. In other words, the images of therapy were mathematical cubes, octagons, and various forms, dodecahedrons each one placed upon a kind of altar or pedestal for the contemplation of the sephirah. All were symmetric geometric solids, perfect and complete in structure. To look upon them was therapeutic, because look to look upon them accepted their energy as a reality in our lives. Now these stone solids apparently were not alive. They only gave the impression of value but actually they were alive. Every form in nature, natural or artificial, has a magnetic field. From the tiniest atom to the greatest galaxy, the magnetic fields are present, and the rules of each of them must be obeyed. Now if an individual, looking at a geometric solid, sees in it a perfect proportion, 
this realization enters into the subconscious life of the person. The, the imagery, of, imagery of that solid is sent into the consciousness in the form of a benevolent magnetic center. It means that the individual is seeing a harmony, is seeing something in perfect order and perfect correctness. And in this, and in visualizing it, wherever we see perfection, it improves ourselves. Wherever we accept discord as inevitable, it injures ourselves. Everywhere looking around us in nature, we see that all natural things are benevolent. It is only when these are abused, mostly by humanity, that these benevolences are lost. So we find that we live in a universe in which everything is in harmony if we are. Now we can say, of course, that somebody else might be out of harmony, and this could injure us. Actually, it's not quite true. The magnetic field which protects us, protects us against any negative magnetic field that does not arise within ourselves. We are not contaminated by other people, unless by our very conscious weakness, or our intellectual weakness, or our emotional weakness, we surrender our integrity to the attitudes of other people. If we commit misdemeanors of one kind or another, we are responsible by the effect of these mistakes on our own magnetic field. Now the magnetic field not only covers this type of thing, but it covers elimination. The intestinal walls, all of this type of thing is damaged, as we know, by hysteria, uh, by various moods. The individual becomes ill, because of a bad disposition. Now we consider this to be just symbol of something that happens that way, but it is not. The individual who is sickened by dispositional fault is sickened because he has damaged the, meta, the uh, field, the magnetic field of some essential part of his own nature. If he has damaged the magnetic field of his digestive system, he will have dyspepsia. And if the dyspepsia lasts long enough, and the magnetic field is sickened long enough, then long-enduring uh, chronic ailments can set in. No individual, actually, is infected entirely from himself, but never completely without himself. All of these unities of facts must be in harmony. Now, in the Rosicrucian philosophy, we had alchemy, the transmutation of various phases of life. Alchemy was a transformation and a transmutation of energies. And these energies are essentially the same ones that we have in magnetism. We therefore have the a constant realization that everything we do and everything that we see and have has values of its own. Now let us pick up a pebble from the beach and we suddenly realize that we are in the presence of a little stone. Today there is quite an interest in little stones all kinds of stones. We are interested in the crystals that form in rocks and all these types of things. But crystals are formed by magnetism. They are formed by a rate of vibration peculiar to a certain element. And that particular rate of vibration can evolve through the mineral, plant, vegetable, and animal. It is always present. There is a magnetic core on each kingdom, and each kingdom unfolds within this magnetic field. 
and within each of the com composite fields, individual members of the fields with various degrees of growth are in variously individually conditioned. Everywhere, this process of keeping faith with integrity is the, becomes the natural secret of security, survival, and world peace. Now, we can say that it would be very unlikely un that we'll say a potato could have a magnetic field of its own, but it does. In fact, every cell within the potato has a magnetic field of its own. Therefore, we come into the problem of nutrition. And nutrition is very largely the study of the magnetic fields of various food products. It also tells us what happens when these food products are adulterated or are variously misused or uh, poisonous elements are introduced into them. All this is part of a mystery that is solved in magnetism. We pass laws against these misuses, but we fail to realize that it is not just the physical factor that we have to work with. The physical factor is only a fragment of it. The main problem is to realize that behind all of these problems, whether of government or of religion or of philosophy, all these things are in trouble because of lack of integrity. And integrity is simply keeping the laws and rules of energy fields. Each field has its own integrities. All integrities in all fields are compatible. All lack of integrities, all departures from integrity in any or all fields are in conflict constantly. The only way the individual can escape conflict is by never abusing the energy factors of his own life. He must never abuse his body, his emotions, or his mind. He must never permit himself to develop attitudes that are incompatible with the integrities which nature has bestowed. The magnetic fields are absolutely honest. There is no possible way of making them dishonest. The only thing we can do with them is to destroy or limit the manifestation of their integrity. If we break the rule, we lose the benefit of that particular energy. When we lose that benefit, we then say that evil has come to us. But it is not an evil thing that has come to us. It is the failure of a good thing to be developed and, and purified and intensified. Now, the, the elementary fields, the magnetic fields, are also in a state of constant evolution. They're in evolution in the life of the person. The individual may be born on a certain level of magnetic integrity. If he becomes a better person, he strengthens these uh, values in himself, because actually it is all a matter of gradually strengthening the perfection of an energy resource. Now, no one is going to perfect it in one life or a hundred lives, maybe, but he's going to grow. And the more integrity grows, the more rapidly the individual becomes harmoniously adjusted to the principle of life to which he belongs. In our world at the present time, we are in a sad state in which practically everyone has broken every conceivable rule. We are living day by day, trying to live off the profits from our own mistakes. And this is not really profitable.
we are not re realizing that this has nothing to do primarily with the theology. This has nothing to do with laws of government. This has nothing to do actually with our legal codes. It has to do with the relationship of energy to its proper ends and purposes. We know what it's supposed to be. We know what it's supposed to do. And we know that it isn't accomplishing that. Now we say, would say that something we might say as integrity is not a thing. It is something, an attitude. It is an approach to a thing. But this is not really true. Integrity is also a magnetic field. Everything is. Sorrow is a magnetic field. Uh, ocean water is a magnetic field. Everything that has an existence has a magnetic, magnetic field. It may have not one that is not even visible. And the whole of our atmosphere, the whole of the world in which we live, is one mass of magnetic interplays. But as long as these are kept honest, they are all compatible. And a universe in which there was no dishonesty would be free from every infirmity. But it's not possible as yet to achieve to this. But we can achieve to varying degrees of it, and we can exceed and excel the amount we are born with if we decide to stay with it for the duration of our lives. Therefore, we can look around us and see what constitutes a magnetic field. Let us take, for instance, our television industry, which is in very poor shape at the present time. Television is actually using magnetism. It is part of a world of electronics which we consider now to be simply a physical thing. So we say to ourselves, we have all these stations, great many of them, and they are all broadcasting on various wavelengths. Among others, we have a special station for the police department. We have a special station for the fire department. We have all kinds of internal usages of these mechanisms which we call transmissions. But when we get all through with it, television transmission is a, as a work achieved by energy. There is an energy field and it is unfolding and developing in a larger an energy field. The atmosphere through which these messages pass is itself a great field of life and it is alive. Space is alive. Space is not merely some atoms alive in a vacuum. Space itself as a substance and essence is part of the great magnetism of the sun. Now we have here all these stations broadcasting on their own wavelengths. Now into this magnetic field, which we call the atmosphere, is dumped a conglomerate you wouldn't believe. There's all kinds of things. Not only the conglomerate of the television, but the conglomerate of senates and houses of representatives and various governments religions pouring their influences into it. This atmosphere, which we can see right through if it isn't for the smog, is continuously being filled with something. And yet with all that, this thing which we call atmosphere and is empty, so-called, nothing to see, is able to differentiate those stations so perfectly that what you see here will go through that air and there's no image going through the air and it will come out again in another receiving set, be proving conclusively that in its entire transmission, perhaps around the world, 
It was never for one moment deprived of its integrity or its individuality. It was never massed into other things. Now occasionally we make a mistake and try to put too many things on one channel, but that is up to us. If, there, if we do it right, there will always be a channel for anything we want to channel that way. But it will always come through, although it is coming through a medium which we can't see, and at any point along the way there is no program noticeable, no program possible, but at a, at a proper point, a receiving station can recreate that particular program in all its detail although it was passed through maybe thousands of miles of so-called empty atmosphere. And all these different channels have never become, have never become confused unless we have improperly channeled them. So we have all this proof that there is something out there in space. Now that what's out there in space is also subject to toxin. We can say that sun broadcasts are toxic. We can say that anything that goes through that space, which by vibratory, vibratory rate is not good, is damaging not only itself, but its recipients, and is also poisoning the channel. As long as we have corrupt patterns, as long as aggressive commercialism, as long as corruption is indulged in over the airways, we will have magnetic sickness in the air. We will have it in the air and it will permeate our homes, our families, our governments, and our nations. We will sicken that level through which that particular energy flows so that the energies that we are used for communication have their own sicknesses. They have their own vibratory rates. And the problem is the corruption of a communication media does not mean that the individual will have a complete collapse of his system. It will mean only that that part of his system which is turned into that community medium will be damaged. He can go right on, go to church and build up that one. But in the meantime, however, the television is tearing down another energy field. Now as you tear down these energy fields, which most people don't even know exist or believe in, you are also opening yourself to all kinds of sickness and also all kinds of moral energy decay. You are opening yourself to the corruptions of the life principles which are necessary to maintain you. The moment you damage a level of integrity in your own magnetism, that level integrity of integrity becomes sick. The moment that becomes sick, part of the defense against exterior problems is reduced. The only way in which the individual can be really dominated by anything except himself is when he sells out his own energy and becomes negative to other things. He has to relinquish his own integrity before he can be damaged by outside forces. There isn't enough evil in all the world to destroy the integrity of one person. He must destroy it himself, or compromise it, or relax it, or be talked into something. But it has to be his own action. Therefore, the damages are, in a sense, not only moral, but are absolutely just in their actual integrities. And this is a way in which, apparently, as the Chinese noted, 
the universe creates the concept of right and wrong. This right and wrong is simply a matter of what builds up and what tears down the essential energies upon which life depends. So we have this problem in every field of life. We have it in the narcotics problem. We have it in a large part of commercialism. We have it wherever there is an, an attitude of putting profit in advance or over integrity. Wherever the individual makes this compromise, he immediately becomes a part of this particular problem. Now we'll take another phase of it. The person is looking uh, with his eyes at something that he sees. He can be reading a book. He can be watching a television. He can be outside watching a horse race. He can be outside watching a golf ball. Whatever he is doing, his eyes are receiving energy. The energy, the, magne the magnetism, which carries the image from the outside to his own inner optical centers, is like the same thing as in the case of television. The golf ball definitely does not go in from the golf field into his eye. What goes into his eye is no golf ball, but it is a potential which will immediately be reactivated into the appearance of a golf ball. He will see it because it was changed into an energy formula received into himself and then reinterpreted again as what he has seen and he will have no knowledge of anything except what he saw. Now this is becoming more and more obvious to us as we go further into the study of computers. This is all part of the process of things being changed from what they appear to be to the energy equivalence of themselves and then restored to their forms in order to be acceptable to our various faculty perceptions. Therefore again, everything becomes a matter of keeping the energy fields clean. And the only way they can be kept clean is by using them properly. Now, the two people watching a golf game may see the same game. One is interested merely in the fact that it is a recreation. The other person may be very competitive, determined to win at all costs, and perfectly willing to cheat a little if it can win quicker. In the first place, the energy is perfectly okay. The uh, vibrations are normal. But in the second, ulterior motives have entered into the playing of the game. And this is something that has stopped troubling us throughout the sports world at the present time. Practically every sport has been commercialized. And by commercialization, we simply mean that it is no longer a sport, but a means of profit to some and loss to others. The moment this happens, the magnetic field is tainted. And from that time on, everyone who takes on the negative attitude damages himself. Now, 99 people may take it on and damage themselves, but a hundredth person who does not take it on does not damage themselves, simply because the others do. The idea that damage is contagious or actually infectious is only true if the individual who is the recipient is basically inconsistent with integrity themselves. There is no reason why anyone should, not, should recognize the fact that another person is capable of contributing to their delinquency. For it is said definitely 
that many may fall upon the right hand and many upon the left hand, but the just person shall not be moved. We are all, therefore, wrong when we say that civilization is destroying us. That is not true. What is destroying us is our acceptance into our own inner life of the shortcomings and mistakes that we associate with civilization. We get into a political tangle and we start hating people and we start guerrilla warfares. And guerrilla warfare is simply another negative use of, of energy. All of the energy of life has to be used properly. The moment it is abused, it becomes dangerous. So we go on a little further into something else, the arts. Every picture that we see has a magnetic field. The fact that it apparently is a work of art on canvas or carved in wood and stone does not affect the fact that any form, every form that is integrated is alive. And every form that is alive is alive because of factors brought together in a certain specific pattern. In the case of a painting, it is the, the life in a canvas, the life in a frame, and the life in each twisted tube, and then in the life of the artist. Everything, and the object of the picture, everything is made up of living elements. This idea that everything is dead, that can't run around, is a mistake. Everything is alive that can be seen. A chair is alive because it has a magnetic field and this magnetic field changes with every chair. And yet there is always this problem of what is right and what is wrong. A good chair will always have a good magnetic field. A chair which we destroy by misuse will be destroyed and we will suffer in our magnetic field for this act of destruction. Everyone is responsible for the destruction of the mistake that he causes. And in every case, the object of that mistake is either nullified or broken down or discredited in some way. So we go on, we take a little look around and we see uh, pictures. Well, we see the Venus de Milo, uh, the armless wonder. And we wonder if it has any magnetic field. It certainly has. It has magnetic field and we can revive, revive that field in ourselves every time we think of it. If we've ever seen the picture, that picture's image or the statue itself will be with us as long as we live. If what we do about it, we not very much usually, but it's there. It's a fact. And uh, if the picture is good and the painting is good and the carving is proper, these all add to the goodness of things. If an artist, however, starts a career of corrupt art, he is damaging his own magnetic field, and he is damaging the magnetic fields of those who approve of what he has done and accept it. That is the reason why the censorship of integrity is important to art, music, and every other field, because it is part of the inevitable laws of life. Incidentally, therefore, where we find uh, hard rock and these things which are becoming dangerous. Our doctors tell us they are dangerous. Our neurologists tell us they, they are dangerous and all that. But no one has really managed to think why, except noise is unpleasant or noise is dangerous to small children. The real, the real damage is to the magnetic fields.
The magnetic field of the small child can be so badly damaged that it can never really recover. Because if it happens before it has the age of consent, before it reaches up to the point where it chooses its own life, it has to be dependent upon someone. And the person upon whom it is dependent is also damaged if they do not demand integrity. Wherever the integrity is damaged, the one who causes the damage is the primary one who must pay. And if the individual causes his own damage, then he is the one that must pay for it. But the damage is not in the building or in the rock or in the stone. It is in the magnetic field. It is in that part of ourselves which we depend upon to maintain our various integrities. Today, neurosis, neurosis and other emotional ailments are very frequent. <clears throat> and we have to give considerable thought, therefore, to the causes of these things. We look around us and we see a generation which has lost all sense of value because it doesn't even believe in value. It also has been corrupted by the example of a previous generation that has torn down most of the ideals and dreams with which the civilization has been built. The only way we can really get to this would be through a reorganization of our science of uh, energies. We would have to have a full and scientific study of all of the energy fields that are involved in human life. We would have to therefore come to the conclusion that there is no problem in which these fields uh, can be evaded. And as these fields are all essentially right, and the, diver and the diversion of this to something else is wrong, we then have the basic value of virtue, the basic value of doing it right in the first place, or what we might call a reformation. A reformation is nothing but a reform of the use of available energy. Everything is energy. Atomic bombs are energy. Uh, the oil spill in, in Alaska is energy, waste energy, and abusive energy. All these things. And they all arise from something being wrong in the integrities of life. We have compromised principle by going away from the energy values. So we go back to the individual now and we find him standing in the midst of his own magnetic field with his structure protected by uh, the constant radiating force of outflowing energy an outflowing energy that vitalizes everything from the center outward and nourishes the uh, solar system, which is the human body, from the level of the sun as in astronomy. The ancient astrologers believed that these energy fields originated in man himself, and that the source of all the energy fields in the human body is the heart that this is the thing from which all else radiates. Therefore, the most dangerous of all corruption is the abuse of love, abuse of friendship, abuse of integrities, abuse of fidelities, and abuse of those things of benevolence, mercy, and compassion, which are associated with the heart. As those energies remain firm, the heart radiating out to the circumference of the magnetic field of the body is completely protective. It will be practically impossible for anything to damage it in the area where it is functioning properly. 
There may be other functions which is not yet perfected, but if the individual is basically honorable, he will be able to perfect these without too much trouble. Actually, however, if these energies are wrong, if the individual begins to hate somebody, or an individual breaks a friendship from selfishness, or an individual breaks his friendship for advantage or gain, for the physical or economic gain, immediately this defense is down. The individual who cheats has lowered his defenses against being cheated in his own turn. Everything, if he does an evil, he opens a way for an evil to be done to him because he has destroyed the magnetic defenses. Now you can't say where those defenses are or what exactly you understand them, but they are invisible, but they are very real. They are real and they represent an actual flow of energy. Now in the Middle Ages, we had a magic come into this too. And we realized something that is seemingly coming back to us day, today, namely that inanimate objects have magnetic fields. Therefore, stones, uh, trees, everything we can think of is subject to magnetic existence. And these magnetic existences uh, are radiant. They uh, convey meaning and, th and value in all directions. Therefore, we know why Paracelsus made such a point of certain uh, uh, talismans and things of that nature because he believes that they would have to do with the magnetic field. He lived in Switzerland, where the dew is very heavy, and he put glass plates out on little stands, and on these glass plates at night, under certain positions of the planets and the moon, he gathered the dew, impregnated with the vibrations of the planetary positions at the time of the uh, exposure. This, these materials, he bottled the bottle and labeled exactly as he would an ordinary medication. And he gave these to the sick when an ailment arose that required this type of medication. He therefore developed something that was almost the same as a very high degree of homeopathy, where natural remedies derived directly from nature without conditioning of any kind were suitable to correct certain difficulties which might arise from the depletion of natural resources. This is the same as almost, almost every other phase of life. Religion, for example. Every building, every church is a living entity. Every bank is a living entity. Every war office is a living entity. These things are not merely buildings. They are embodiments of attitudes. Everything is alive with the quality for which it was created. The war office is tied to war. The uh, bank is tied to banking. But banking is a living fact. It is the banking that is the real living involvement in the so-called story of banking. And these things are all alive. And each one of these, as it comes into life, is born with a certain responsibility. We will say that a young person born into a family is born to help to maintain that family, protect it, serve it, and serve with it for the completion and perfection of the community. The same is true of a bank. A bank is part of an organization, part of an entity. 
part of something created for a purpose. Now, if the bank fulfills this purpose honorably, it is then healthy. If, on the other hand, it decides to make an unreasonable profit, if it decides to uh, sacrifice its integrity for advancement of its own institutional existence, there is trouble. The bank will ultimately go broke. The stock exchange, when it was created to help farmers and merchants uh, to share their goods and make proper and reasonable investments, as uh, they all sat together under a tree in, southern, in the south end of uh, New York, if this uh, uh, institution had remained a benevolent organization for service, it would be still probably very practical and very useful. But instead of being that, it has now become a, a structure of misuses and abuses. And the result is, it is gradually destroying itself. Now, entities, a republic is an, is a, an entity. It is a magnetic field. An autocracy is a field. A, a, a monarchy is a field. A communistic institution is a field. Every one of these organizations use energy. You use it in a thousand different ways. Political speeches, harangues on the street corners, battles in the, in the galleys and back roads. Everything is involved. And every one of these energy fields that becomes corrupted in any form or in any way is doomed to disaster. Therefore, our, our, our code of honor is not based upon the Mosaic Code alone, alone although that is a very good one. It is actually based upon use and abuse. There is no possibility of, of an abuse succeeding. It will seem to succeed for a little while. It will succeed in the same way that an abuse of the body will apparently provide the individual with an opportunity to make very serious mistakes. But in the end, the energy fields pay the bill. Every misuse of life responsibility, use of basic materials, the abuse of forests, the abuse of water, the corruption of air, all these things are paid for in magnetic defects. And we are beginning to recognize them now. We are wondering why some of these strange things happen that have been happening in the last few years. Nuclear fission is a great tragedy not because it simply offends the peace-loving human being, but because it is a misuse, a violent corruption of energy. It is the use of a divine power to injure other people. Therefore, that which lives by the sword must perish by the sword. So our whole morality is a matter of life energies. It is a matter of gradually bringing all our intemperances into patterns of usefulness and creativeness and constructiveness. It is the gradual victory of a friendship over enemy, animosity. It takes the stranger out of existence and puts the friend in its place. Everything is part of working towards an harmonious balance of the natural resources of the solar power. Everything can be used to advance the common good, but everything that is used to destroy, will be destroyed by its own destructiveness within itself. Now, another phase of that is now coming into, into focus very strongly in the problem of general reformation in human relationships. We have today a problem 
of marriage, divorce, adoption of children, all these different moral issues. Now we're going to have to finally settle down and every person will have to decide whether he is going to fulfill his own purposes or whether he is going to obey the laws of nature. If he obeys the laws of nature and understands them, things will be solved. If he keeps on doing as he pleases with no consideration for values or for the rights and purposes of nature, he will be in trouble. Everywhere it is energy, energy that must be properly used. Now we have in, in now considerable emphasis upon the creation of new energy symbols. And this is a, more or less an interesting phase of our problem. The ancients used all kinds of symbolic designs to indicate energy. They had their pentacles and their signs and their symbols and their images. And in metaphysical thinking, philosophical thinking, there was a great emphasis upon meditation and the mantras and mudras of the esoteric doctrines. These are very important. But now comes the question. Meditation is a mood for the distribution of energy. The power of meditation has to do with the use of magnetic energy. Therefore, the problem of meditation is very simple. You say to yourself, I, I want to develop a higher grade or higher level of integrity. Therefore, through meditation and the dedication to the highest principles that I know, I will achieve a great improvement in character. Now, this is very good, proper. It's been followed by sadhus and hermits for ages. It has been followed by early Christian monks for nearly 2,000 years. There's nothing wrong in meditation. But someone, out of the smartness of something, decided that by meditation he could also accomplish a certain amount of selfish fortune for himself. I know one individual who taught high disciplines for the sake of improving socially, making a wealthy marriage, uh, increasing in business, uh, dominating other people, and he was doing very well with it. One day I got a telephone call from the local hospital. This individual was sick. So he went down. I said, well, what seems to be the trouble? And the, it was a woman. She was in tears. He said, you know, all my life, well, for many years, I've taught people to think rich, think happy, think healthy, and I am dying of cancer. Well, that is again a strange kind of poetic justice that seems very cruel. No question about it. But the individual had broken the rules that associate with magnetic energies. The rule of all possession is right use. The use of all esoteric doctrines and disciplines is for the advancement of the common good. And when we start meditating for a fortune or something, we are headed to trouble. Because this is contrary to the proper use of magnetic resources. Magnetism is a great field of energy available to all. The price of it is simple. Earn it. You've got to be right, and all the energy of space is available for the right use that you can make of it. 
and as much as the right uses you can understandingly create at the proper time. But the moment the individual becomes selfish or self-centered, the magnetic field of his own body begins to fail. Kilner pointed out there that there is great difference in these matters, and other scientists have noted that where selfishness comes into a religious situation, there's always a disappointment. And where we are selfish in marriage, where we are selfish in relationships, we are destroying the defenses of our own magnetic field. Now, actually, there is a certain poeticness in this injustice on these particular problems. The individual who is selfish and abuses the field loses the protection of his own life against the selfishness of others. If he loses his own protection, then the selfishness of others can move in on him. And if he tries to take something from another, he also opens the door for that person or some other person to take something from him. It is reciprocity. Energy is the most important and priceless of all ingredients. It is something that everyone needs and must have. The waste of energy, the abuse of energy, is the abuse of the magnetic fields. The moment they are abused, they fail us. And very often the failure is a kind of poetic justice. It is something that happens that we can't explain. Uh, but I think we find it as clearly indicated in Goethe's line of Faust. It says, how closely fate is licked to, to virtue, doth never to the fool occur. Had he the wise man's stone, I swear it, the stone had no philosopher. Wherever we have skill, we have knowledge, we have unusual abilities, we have been given good educations, we have been perhaps by good parents advanced in as much morality as possible, and then we go out and immediately sacrifice all that we have gained or has been helped to, how we have been helped to have on our own personal selfishness. That means no wise man's stone for us. That means that we will not be able to succeed because we have in a treasonable manner perverted that which was our constructive birthright. So we're here today as part of a world of selfish people. We're here today with everybody trying to get theirs before somebody else takes it away from them. We're here in the presence of governments of questionable integrity, uh, products of questionable value, and also another general factor which we must uh, also face. And that is, we are now nearly five or and a half, almost six billion disillusioned people. We have not much faith in anything. Every day the newspaper helps us to lose what honesty and faith we might have. We can become finally convinced that we live in a completely corrupt world. Therefore, we are bewildered, we are intimidated, we are worried, and very often just simply give up and follow the line of least resistance and go down with the rest. Now, this isn't really the way it was intended to be. Actually, the, the bad news that we have has nothing to do with us unless we're part of the bad program. 
Now, you might say it's nicer to imagine a world in which we could all work together. There's no doubt about it. It'd be much better. But until such time, the individual who is trying to be right has got to be careful that he is not infected by a common disillusionment. He cannot afford to say everything is wrong and mean it. He's got to hold inside of himself a realization that principle is the basic value and that regardless of what happens in the world, he cannot lose sight of protecting his own energy resources because it might just so happen that he could be one of those who could help to change the course of history. In other words, disillusionment, despair, discouragement, bitterness, anger, frustration, all these do nothing to the person against whom they are turned, but they do everything to the individual who uses them. Therefore, no matter what we read in the paper, no matter what comes to us over the radio or in television, the individual must retain within himself the realization that there is a great good behind everything and that that great good will succeed and that this magnetic field we're talking about which extends not only through this solar system, but through the entire galaxy, decrees within itself by its own immutable process that evil can never win. We must go through certain travail in connection with it. We have to finally learn to our own satisfaction that we can't do it badly and be well off. But until such time, values never change. Never will we be punished for what somebody else does. Never will we be rewarded for the virtues of others. We must achieve these things ourselves through our own efforts, through our own integrities, and through our own dedications. And all of this is added up in a mysterious bank account, which is called energy or magnetic resource. It is there to serve us. It is there to serve the individual who does wrong. But if the individual does wrong, the service collapses and the individual who does wrong finally finds the energy turns back upon himself, and the corruption continues. We must keep this center of consciousness within ourselves in a condition of correctness. In Buddhism, the heart is called the Saptapana, the, the house or temple with seven rooms. It is within this temple, as Buddha points out, that the great initiation against the hindrances has to be performed. The individual has to be initiated in his own heart. He must accept as a fact that his own integrity is his only strength and also that his own honesty is his only wealth. All else is some kind of a delusion which will ultimately turn back and whip him. So in the quietude and peace of the realization of the immutability of good, the inevitability of right over wrong, the endless and continuous process of redemption going through every area of nature, all things in due time will come back into the peace which they sacrificed when they tried to put self as an individual above universal reality. We are all, we should have, I don't see how we have gotten into the state we've gotten into really, because I do know, but I'm not mentioning it. The real fact of the matter is that as we look around us, there's every reason to know that we live in a beautiful world. We live in a tremendous sphere. 
And we are already beginning to realize that we're destroying it ourselves. It is not some vast cosmic power that says we have to be selfish or that puts a profit against principle. These things don't exist in nature. We know that with moderation, with integrity and dedication, we could all live in peace and another five billion could live with us. But the way we are doing, we are sacrificing everything for a bowl of pottage. And if we continue to do this, the energy resources will be reduced. We are worried now about changes taking place in the atmosphere, that the overload that we are throwing against our natural resources is beginning to endanger us. Now we can go under our own skin and see that the same thing is happening inside of us. The overloading of our body with the problems and, pro and uh, processes of modern living obviously is going to result in, dest in destitution and death. We cannot afford to waste the magnetic field of the body or destroy it any more than we can afford to destroy the one of the earth. If we're going to run out of petroleum someday, we're also going to run out of the ability to recuperate from ailments if we dispose of and waste our recuperative power. The magnetism, which helps digestion, can be destroyed, wasted by corruption when we do, take into ourselves dangerous foods, dangerous attitudes, or when we eat with a dangerous mood. We are endangering ourselves. And when the world does these things, the world endangers itself. And we will not be the first civilization, as is said in India, the great mother, the earth, has cast many civilizations from her back. Everything that goes beyond a certain point is destroyed because it breaks up its relation with its energy supply. It no longer is fed primarily by magnetism. Because it's magnetism in the food that feeds us, it's magnetism in the air that we breathe, it's magnetism in the earth that grows our vegetables, and it is magnetism in our souls that makes us hope for good. All the things we know and all the things we believe in are energy dependent. And the use of energy is the most important thing. Why we go on year after year making all kinds of efforts to feel better, be better, or think better, and overlook the one fact that everything that we think and feel and believe depends upon a life principle, an energy resource, a, a magnetism of the earth itself, and that while this is destroyed or while this is abused, we will have the earth becoming more and more sterile, we have the have air no longer fit to believe, we will find the energies we have wasted lost to us forever. All these things require just one new concept. And that is that religion is basically the proper use of resource. It is to use the privileges that we have been given for the greater good of all of us. We have been made gardeners in a beautiful garden and we've let it go to weed. We have been given a beautiful planet and we subdivided and sold it for profits. The original purpose was that we should become a wonderful group of human beings working together for the good of each other and the glory of the universe. We are being prepared for a bigger job than we have, but we are flunking the examination at the present moment. We are not doing what we should do. 
Everything that comes along is measured in profit. Everything that comes along is measured in freedom from responsibility. When energy is something that we must be responsible for, or we will waste it forever. Or as long as we can. By the time forever comes, there won't be much energy left. But all this is a, a, a lesson in the morality of values. It is a lesson in the fact that we are the keepers in a garden. We are the gardeners in the garden of Allah, as the Muslim calls it. This is a beautiful garden that has been given to us, and we're letting it go to weed. We had a beautiful world with wonderful materials. So we dig under the earth and create materials to create war, death, and destruction. We have little gardens that we could have beautiful times sitting under our own palm tree, but we are fighting to take everybody else's garden away from them. And when we finally find a small plot of land that we might be able to use, we find the real estate agents have priced it ten times its value. All these things are all little things, but they all add up to the loss and waste of magnetic resource. They are the failure of the individual to protect the source of his own life, the source of his own future, and the breaking of the laws and rules by which he must compare his own needs with the, the needs of others. It is only when we work to protect the toadstool as well as the nation that we can have peace in the world. We must protect the small things because each of them is a run energy resource. The protection of them is, a, is against our viewpoint because we take it for granted that the small should be controlled by the big. That we have, that small things like humble people are made to be exploited. This is not true. Everything in life is made to be used. Nothing is made to be abused. And the individual who abuses any part of life is contributing to the common cause of destruction. Now this uh, business of the of the energy and uh, magnetic resource went on down through to the present time. And now we have a new measurement for it, and that is the development of a large group of electrical devices, by means of which it becomes apparent to us that it is possible for the human being to make use of any energy as he sees fit. Now, the instrument that he has within himself is infinitely more wonderful than any television or any computer can possibly be. We can have a computer do everything, and it is alive. Don't for a minute think it isn't. But it is alive in a field of energy. It has a life. It can propagate itself. It can develop itself. It can grow up. It can grow old, and it can die because it is all part of an energy usage. But in all of these usages, let's remember that the individual is humanity's prime asset. The individual is here to grow. And in growing, he grows by helping everything else to grow. The moment he goes into negative competitive relationships with everything else, he destroys himself. So out of a great brotherhood involving potatoes, diamonds, computers, uh, television, music, everything is part of a magnificent harmonic pattern. But the individual has forgotten or neglected to mature his own inner life. He was given religion in the beginning to help him to build an internal life. For religion was nothing but a statement of the rules. 
It wasn't a doctrine. It was a statement of the laws that have to be obeyed. Man has gradually disobeyed these rules, and now he questions the reality of religion. But he has never been able to prove that the religion was wrong. It was merely inconvenient. It prevented him from being as selfish as he would like to be. This being the case, he's in serious trouble. But out of all of this, we hope, with the coming of the next century, that we're going to find the real basis of our understanding. We're going to discover the good universe, which we have forgotten existed if we ever knew it. We're going to suddenly realize that galaxies and stars and systems in space are not just simply something out there to, to provide us with energy to run motors with, or that we are going to save solve all the problems of nature if we can get a photograph of ourselves standing on Mars. This has nothing to do with it. We're living in a great, beautiful world of cooperating forces, uh, filled with things that want to get together and work together for the common good. And all we can do is make games out of them, silly games. Games in which we think we're conquering everything by putting something in orbit. That's not, that's not at all true. What really we are looking for is to realize that we conquer or we win or we achieve our goal when we put ourselves in orbit. When we get back again into the rules of the game of life, serve it as it should be served, love as it should be loved, admire the good, protect it and slowly and quietly outgrow everything that is less. If we can do that, then these resources, these magnetic fields, will supply us with all the energy the world needs for millions of years. It will not be the loss of the energy, but it will be that the, if we do not make these corrections, we will not be able to draw the energy to ourselves, and that which cuts itself off from life is the dead branch that is cast back into the fire. So out of an understanding of energy and the magnetic resources, we go a long way toward solving the present problems. That's it. And we're back, people. Wow. <laughs> that was an incredible lecture, and it sounded so good. The audio quality magnetic fields of the human body so much to unpack there from the legendary manly p hall Bryn, what did you think yeah schooled by manly p hall man that guy just like he's like rapid fire and he uh, doesn't take a breath and he's not like well let me think about it. he's just like boom 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 <laughs> the synapses yeah. were firing for him and they just made those connections yeah connections connects, connections Totally. He was in his uh, magnetic field for sure. Yeah. And there's a lot to talk about. The study of magnetism, of course, he's saying began in Egypt and they used it for magnetic healing. So that was like the first use. They were like Reiki people. They were like magnetic energy healers. They didn't necessarily see it as a form of energy storage, like a battery or some form of electricity, but no, this was about healing and magnetic theory is found in magic and spiritualism. There was just so much going on there. Your personal magnetic field and how do you strengthen it? Morality, integrity, 
virtue, just making conscious choices in every aspect of life. And what stops that? What weakens that magnetic field? It is vice, the choices, the hedonistic choices, the things that we know hurt ourselves and worse, other people. Bryn, you have some notes. Let's hear what you have to say. I always have lots of notes. I like to write down all the different things that uh, that he's uh, rapid, rapid firing off. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was really interesting. You don't often hear about magnetism and virtue, really. That's not something I feel like is discussed. I mean, it's definitely, you know, there's a lot of talk, especially I feel like in the last 20 years about magnetism and healing and looking at, you know, the energetic signature of things. If you're looking at acupuncture, the, you know, energetic movements in the meridians of the body, or if you're looking at, you know, like Paracelsus, the, um, the capturing of the magnetic signatures of planetary forces to be used for healing, like all those different things. But we don't often look at magnetism and virtue and how there is um, that that is your own protective shield. And that when you damage that, that opens you up to, you know, then then damage coming from the outside. Um, yes. And that super damage, important perspective. Yes. And that damage being equal to the damage that you put out. It's kind of like karma, but it's a form of magnetic defenses. Like if your karma is good, your magnetic shield, like your shields are up, but you start doing things that create negative karma and that affects your magnetic self. And then the shields are down and then you're susceptible to the effects of your karmic actions or just other shit that may fall into that spectrum. Right. I think that when we think of karma, it seems more of a spiritual and energetic exchange that, you know, what goes around comes around or that, you know, you put out good in the world and good comes back to you. You, you know, slight people and then you open yourself up to those things happening to yourself. And this is more of almost like the physical explanation for that, though it's much more than physical, but it's still like there's this almost practical explanation of of what's going on on that level of reality. There's so many different levels and layers of the self and the soul. And that's like, you know, one very important piece that he's bringing up, that there's actually this magnetic force that's being affected based on your choices, based on your morality, based on, you know, the way you walk through life at any given moment. And I really appreciate how he talks about caring for the little things that it's in the tiny actions. It's in the care you put out for things that may seem insignificant. Um, but everything has a ripple and that's those little things that contribute to the healing of your own magnetic force or the grand scheme of the, the earth or the universe. Yes. He was calling it, the law of the magnetic field. He gave it a name and he said one of the best ways to stay focused is to follow the 10 commandments, which I feel like contain really good kind of channeled information from source to Moses. I mean, I don't know the whole story. I wasn't there. There's so many <laughs> variations. Right. Well, and he says, you know, the earth has cast off several civilizations that have cut themselves off from the source. Like if we go down this path of, 
negativity and selfishness and doing things that harm our own magnetic field and therefore our life, then eventually we get to the point of that, you know, that dead branch falling off or that civilization, like you completely cut yourself off from the source and then something must begin again. So that's always something to think about. And yeah, he talked about the energy and the atmosphere based on the radio and television transmissions. I'm sure there was perhaps some government testing with wireless transmissions by the late 80s. I'm sure there was a lot of that going on. But still, he was saying that the actual content and the energy behind the content being encoded and sent through the atmosphere was actually damaging the energy field of the earth because it's low frequency garbage content, (laughs) which I was like, wow, it's such a, that's ahead of his time for sure. Like he hasn't, you know, he, he died before even the invention of the internet and cell phones and Wi-Fi and all the, all the garbage content. And then yes, the frequencies itself that those are transmitted on. I mean, that's all. Yeah. And then what we do to, repair that um with our own integrity and what messages we choose to view what messages we choose to put out in the world uh, both in a figurative and literal sense every time i listen to manly p hall i want to be a better person <laughs> i know right that's what i meant by like wow manly manly hall just schooled us it's like <laughs> get your shit together well he raises your vibration <laughs> with does. really high frequency information and he disseminates it really well he has a great way of communicating it so you can understand it even if it is a lot of dense information that even a couple sentences need to be really unpacked but you don't have time you just have to keep going because he's keeping going but he does it in a way that's fluid and you could still process it like i said even though it's a lot and of course he did something really sweet which is in resonance with Midnight on Earth, which is why Manly P. Hall is the most repeated guest. He's the most repeated lecture episode. He said there's a great good behind everything and it will succeed. Evil will never win, literally because of the magnetism of the entire universe. So he was able to point out that there's something bigger that's beyond the doom and gloom. It's beyond the human forces and human interactions and human influence. There's something bigger. There's something bigger than us. There's this greater good that is not influenced by anything that can happen in the human hologram. If that makes sense. What we do, what we create, the dimension that we've created on top of the earth dimension, the dimension we live in called the real world. Yes, it has influence, but it can't stop the greater magnetism of the universe. I mean, we're cool, but we're not that cool yet. Perhaps (laughs) we can be because Manly P. Hall did close with the fact that he said we're being prepared for a bigger job. How many times people have we talked about this on this podcast in various forms, the bigger job being the United earth, the ascension of humanity being ambassadors for love and light out in the universe. We're being prepared for a bigger job, but he's saying we're flunking out of it. Currently the course, whatever that is, the multidimensional human 
life course, but we are part of a harmonic pattern that equals a good universe. So they're doom and gloom people. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that as well. And I did write that down. Um, that's, you know, through everything he said, he still stood by that it's all good. And there is this greater force. And I, I loved that part that we're being prepared for a bigger job. I wrote that down. That was really important uh, to, it's really important to never forget that in every decision you make and everything that you do. It's like, what, what am I doing this for? Why am I here? It's uh, something bigger than us. It's definitely bigger than us. And this podcast is bigger than myself and Brandon. It includes you and Manly and everyone listening. And I just want to say thank you for being a listener. I'm so proud. I'm so thankful that this audience grows consistently. I often say every single day there's new listeners and that still holds true. Every single day there's new listeners to this podcast from around the world. We're up to 155 countries and I just appreciate it. I want to thank you for spreading the word and doing all the things that you can to help get this great information out there and help us have fun while we're becoming enlightened and helping to enlighten others and just learning all of this incredible information that's out there from these sources, these people, everything. It's amazing. So just want to say thank you. Brand, thank you so much for being here. What a great lecture, huh? Yes. Thank you for having me in the tremendous sphere, as Manly P. Hall said. <laughs> and that, you know, yeah, all this virtuous fun is healing the magnetic field. And I'm happy to be a part of it. So thanks for having me. Yes, let's raise our magnetic field. Let's raise our vibration personally, collectively, and achieve the greatness that he's talking about. What a great episode. I loved it. I loved having Brynn here. As you know, I absolutely love Manly P. Hall. So we'll see you next week. Midnight on Earth.